views expressed on this program are those of the hosts, guests, and callers, and are not necessarily those of this station, its management, or other advertisers. You're listening to Transformation Talk Radio. Are you ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from running your life? Join award-winning author Dr. Friedemann Schaub from Empowerment Radio as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges in our day-to-day lives. Find out how you can use the power of your mind to overcome self-sabotaging patterns and build a solid foundation of confidence and self-respect. Learn cutting-edge tools and approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. This is the time to empower yourself. Now, here's your host, Dr. Friedemann Schaub. Welcome to Empowerment Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Friedman Schaub, and we have a very exciting show today with a wonderful guest. But let me just lead into what we will talk about today, which has a lot to do with that what we usually don't focus on. Now, most people know that anxiety and depression are like the new epidemic. And there are many reasons and culprits why we are more anxious. Economy, politics, pressure at work, higher expectations in general, nutrition, information overload. Some even suggest that anxiety may be contagious. But there is one reason that is not so much talked about, uh, a reason that I find in my practice very often. And that's that anxiety may be the calling from a deeper part of our minds, something deep inside telling you that you are off track, that you're not living your truth, that you're somehow lost in a maze of external identifications and thus have lost touch with that maybe more true essence of yourself, your soul, your signature self, your divine self, whatever you want to call it. Something I have observed many times that when people are more and more getting in touch with that more true self, they feel less and less anxious and more and more peaceful and at home within themselves. And the question, of course, is how do we do this? How do we get to the divine or true self. And for that, I have invited an amazing expert and teacher today to the show, Paul Selig. Paul Selig is considered to be one of the foremost spiritual channels working today. In his breakthrough works and channeled literature, he wrote, I'm the words, the book of love and creation, the book of knowing and worth. And now he started a trilogy with the Book of Mastery, book one that came out in 2016. Paul has recorded an extraordinary program for personal and planetary evolution as human mankind uh, awakens to its own divine nature. And there are many things that just draw me to Paul's work and him as a teacher. And I'm so honored to have him today on the show. So thank you so much, Paul, for taking the time to being here with us. Thank you for having me. Paul, you are a channel and and an empath. Can you explain to the lay person what that means? I can try. You know, I I, I, I seem to be operating as what they call a clairaudient and a clairsentient. And clairaudience is clear hearing, and I'm I'm something of a radio. So if you can imagine that the radio that I am is tuning into a certain kind of broadcast where information comes through me that is supportive of others, and this is channeling, and it's really not sort of psychic reading. That's something I do as well. But what I'm doing is I'm tuning into the station that whatever this consciousness is that seems to work with me comes through, I become the vehicle for their broadcast. And the series of books that are out under my name were actually 
channeled, which means I took the dictation. There was no writing involved. They were, it was literally me sitting in a chair with my eyes closed and repeating what I was hearing. And the books are the unedited transcripts of all of those sessions. My work as an empath, which is the clairsentient work, has to do with my ability to, to become or step into other people. So the difference is when I'm channeling, my guides are playing me. And when I'm working as an empath, I'm intentionally tuning into other people. So if you want to know what's going on with your daughter who you're estranged with and you give me her name, I seem to have the ability to sort of step into your daughter. I may start to resemble her physically. I mean, I've been filmed doing this. It's, it's quite odd. I take on her mannerisms and hear what's going on in the dynamic. So, you know, clear sentience is clear feeling. It's the ability, in, in my case, to feel or know what other people may be feeling. Um, and those are the two abilities that I work with the most. And how did you find out that you had these abilities in the first place? Well, I wasn't looking for them. I'll say that. Um, <laughs> when I was in my early 30s, um, at the height of the AIDS epidemic, I studied a form of energy healing. And I found myself volunteering at a center for people who were living with life-challenging illness, and it was something that I could do. And I was invited to work there, so I did. And I found that when I had my hands on people, I started to hear things for them. So if I had my hand on your chest, I, I heard the name Arthur. I learned to say, who's Arthur? And you might say, my father, my son, my lover, my dog, whatever, you know, my boss. Mm. And as that continued to get verified, I began to trust the broadcast that was coming through me more, and eventually it became teachings. And I wasn't even very aware when the teachings started coming through. There was a lot of energy that would come through when I would sit. And mm -hmm. I was very interested in the energy because it was so physically palpable and you couldn't fake it. And I was sort of dismissive of the information that was coming through me for a, quite a number of years because that felt like you know, who the hell knows, but you can feel the energy. When I was, I think not until my late 40s, did the guides really begin dictating and lecturing through me. And that was a whole other level of phenomena that I'm still having to sort of wrap my brain around, that I would just close my eyes and they would speak, and they would speak for half an hour, and what would emerge would be essentially a perfect lecture that was structured and when typed up, required no editing and was often part of a book. The ability to work empathically began around the same time, although there were periods where the abilities were more dormant in my life. But I began to feel what was going on initially in other people's bodies before they would come in to see me. Um, and then I found that I was feeling things that I could never have felt. There's mm -hmm. an example that I give sometimes. There was a woman who came to me for a session who had a very big chest. And during the session, I kept feeling, um, that's New York City in the background, forgive me. Um, <laughs> I imagine. I felt a, a cutting sensation across my, my upper back and I couldn't figure out what the hell it was. And the woman got off the table and she said, oh my God, my bra straps are so tight. And I was feeling her bra straps cutting into her flesh mm. through the whole session. And once I began to realize that that was possible, I began to access a whole lot more. But the ability to hear people, other people, I didn't know I was doing that until it began to happen. And then I had to, to begin to work with that. So, you know, somebody said to me, am I going to get this job interview? Ask your guides. And I was given the name of the person he had interviewed with. And all of a sudden, I felt like I had a hunt, uh, literally a, a hunchback. And I said, does this person have a hunchback? And he said, yeah, she does. And then I found out that I could sort of take things on all the time. Mm -hmm. And as I began to do that, I could feel them and hear them and essentially become them. So I became the radio. That was really it. It wasn't through looking to develop it, that's for sure. It mm -hmm. happened, and then I had to learn to begin to work with it and understand it. Now, often people believe or feel that a psychic can predict their future. What do you see about that? 
I think they can. I've been effective with people. Um, in I've been told because like, I have a practice and people continue to come back to me, but I don't consider what I do fortune telling. And I feel that where I'm most beneficial is in the moment with the relationships uh-huh. and and the blocks that people may have. But no, I've said to many people, you know, you know, there's one woman, you know, and she said, you know, am I ever going to meet anybody? And she was a professional woman. Mm-hmm. And I said, yeah, you are at a potluck. And we both looked horrified because she didn't look like the kind of person who would go to potluck dinners. But she <laughs> wrote me a year later and she said, you know, I was invited to a potluck dinner and I went only because of the reading and I met my husband. So, you know, mm-hmm. you know, no. So. Do I think that it can be predicted? Of course. Do I think we still have choice? Yes, I do. And do I think Mm. that what I'm probably picking up on as much as anything else is a probable outcome based on the current alignment or consciousness that the person has? So do we still have free will? I believe that we do. Now, when you are channeling uh, the guides, do they basically wait until you call them in, or do they wake you up at three o'clock in the morning and sit you down? No, they do. It's 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 by it's. I can't say it's by appointment, but pretty much. I do workshops all over the the world now, and they always show up at the right time. You know, and mm-hmm. I'm assuming they know when the class is going to start. And I think they know that if they didn't show up and the class started, I'd never do it again because I'd be too frightened of nobody showing up. I mean, <laughs> I my job is to show up and sit before uh, a group of people without any idea of what's going to come out of my mouth. And I do it consistently. Mm. And the guides come through and they fill that space with their teachings and the energy and what they want to talk about. So I don't get interrupted, and I usually, but if I do ask myself a question, like, would this be a good time to to get a dog, because I've been thinking this week about getting a dog, Mm -hmm. I might hear not wise, but they don't really tell me what to do. Not Mm. wise means, you know, or not, not time or wait, you know, I might get stuff like that, but it's usually only in response to my inquiry. I, I don't recall instances and I do know of people who get information this way, and, and but I think it's a different form. I mean, my clear audience is is telepathic. It's not like I'm hearing somebody in the room, um, mm-hmm. and I and that's another form of clear audience, and I I understand that. But I don't get intruded upon when I'm doing mm-hmm. a reading. I may access information from multiple sources, mostly mm-hmm. from the people in the lives of you know my clients. Right. Um. But I'm 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 available for it. My radio is tuned on and the receptors are open. If I'm riding on the bus, I'm probably not going to hear the person next to me unless I want to and choose to tune in. So you or can choose can that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. There's choice involved. Absolutely. Yeah. And they do you work always? Yeah. Ah, that's important to know. Do you always yeah. uh, work with the same guides? Well, I think, you know, it's a it's a collective and they call themselves we. I've only seen one for sure that has been consistent. And there's others. I know many mediums who've seen me work and they see a row of them showing up and sort of them taking turns at the mic mm-hmm. um, metaphorically. But I'm aware of the differences, um, specifically when I'm channeling and doing groups and teaching, that there are different textures and changes in vocabulary. Um, and there's, there's, so there's two energies that I'm very familiar with, but I'm also aware of the variance when one seems to step aside and another seems to step in. And that's only because of vocabulary choice and the carefulness. One of them is very, very extraordinarily careful with language and speaks in a very prepared kind of way and also says things like, tell the young lady, tell the young man. Um, and dear, he calls people dears, which is a word that I don't use. And mm-hmm. the other guy that I'm very used to is very boisterous and full and loud and fun, you know. Mm-hmm. But they share many characteristics of language and energy, which makes me feel comfortable with it. Again, if I'm reading for somebody, I'm accessing more at a psychic level than a channeled level. And at that level, I may be hearing different kinds of things. Um, 
Mm-hmm. So I make the distinction between when the guides are coming through me to teach or to deliver a book or a, a live stream lecture than when I'm sitting in session with somebody and the guides may come in to support somebody. But right. much of what I'm accessing during those sessions may not be channeled. It may be psychic. Now, do we all, I mean, obviously we do, but do we all have guides and can we all learn to listen to them? I don't know, truthfully. I mean, I've heard we all have guides. I've heard that many times. Can we all learn to listen to them? I don't know that we all need to. Do you know? I don't know. I mean, we're all capable of running if we're still mobile and have legs that work. But I'm not capable of running a triathlon. I'm, you know, Mm -hmm. a 55-year-old man who needs to lose some weight. So, but can I still run around the block? Yes, I can. So can we all access higher consciousness? I think we all can, but I think that there's capacity. So just be, you know, I, I, when I was, you know, 20, I don't know, maybe 30 or something, when I first took my first healing class, and I was a college teacher, and I was a college teacher for many, 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 many years, and I was doing this work very quietly. But I saw this little Irish lady, this old Irish lady with bright red hair and blue eyes, channel energy and I could feel it and I'd never felt any I'd never seen or felt anything like it in my life and she was the real deal and I knew it and that changed my life because she showed me that something was possible mm-hmm. and it seems that I did have some innate capacity to develop and I developed I didn't show up fully formed I see sometimes people nowadays who take one healing course and the next thing you know they've got a shingle out and they're expecting to make a living and you know, and, and, and becoming in, we, we, we live in a culture, I think of instant experts. In my case, it took a long time to develop, um, and to understand, but do we all have capacity? Yeah, absolutely. But I don't know that everybody needs to be a channel. And I do think we all have an intuitive sense that can be honored and developed, which is just our own innate knowing. And whether we get that as if it's from the guides or from our own heart, I don't know that that makes a difference. Well, I mean, I'm not talking about, you know, hanging up your shingle. I'm just talking more about what mm-hmm. if, you know, the guides are collecting, uh, you know, themselves around you and basically are nudging you and tapping on your oh, shoulder yeah, and, they, and you're not listening. I, well, that's a different thing if you're not listening, but does it need to? I, all I was saying is. One of the problems I think that people face with the guides is that, or guides in general, is it can be a way of deferring responsibility for one's own knowing. So if I get it from a guide, it's good, but I don't trust myself to know. And I think that that needs to be countered. So, and Mm -hmm. and I think that was my, the example I was trying to use. So Mm. if you are ignoring that inner voice and that inner nagging, you know, and I think that can be coming from your guides or from the higher self, if you want to call it that, or the divine self. There are many, many names. I don't know that it really matters where it's coming from, mm-hmm. but if it's leading you towards growth and truth and it's leading you away from fear, I think it's something to be honored. And there's that old, you know, saying, you know, that, you know, I don't know who said it, but essentially, you know, the universe or God or whatever you want to call it will whisper in your ear first and then finally yell. And the yelling will get your attention. And some, you know, when I ignore something long enough, I'll get the big signal from the universe. I'm often right. given the opportunity to change before you know everything falls apart. Yeah, yeah. Well, did you ever feel like that you were not trusting what they told you? You know, where you just, uh, I know from your books, sometimes you are raising questions or saying, what do you really mean? And so what happens there? Is it just your, you know, the the little doubtful self or who who talks then and, and wants to have more clarification? Well, it's a, I have a complicated relationship with all this stuff. I'm not a guru. I don't want to be. I'm not an expert. I don't want to be. I'm not a spiritual teacher, and I don't want to be. So, I mean, I'm, I'm a conscious channel and a pretty good empath, and I seem to facilitate groups well. And some of that may have been that I taught college for so long, and I'm comfortable in that role, but the guides work through me effectively. But I cannot claim, and I don't claim to be 
to comprehend all of the teachings, let alone really be able to live them fully. I mean, there are times when I hear what they're saying, I go, well, this sounds great. And truthfully, there's nothing that's ever come through me that did not seem and feel deeply true. And I'm grateful for that. When I question the teachings, it's because I can't wrap my brain around it or it just feels a little too far out. And I question the teachings because I kind of have to to stay in my integrity with this stuff. I mean, I don't write these books, but my name is on them. So if the guides were to say suddenly, and by the way, the moon really is made out of green cheese, I'd have to go, hey, wait a minute. Because (laughs) what what are you talking about? Because I can't get behind that. And then they'd have to unpack it for me if I had mm-hmm. to, to go forward. And mostly they do. In the newest book, the Book of Truth, that's coming out in June. They actually, for the I, th- I don't know if there's any interruptions in that book. And you know, if people have or your listeners haven't read my books, occasionally they do say Paul is interrupting. Paul has a question, and yeah. that's usually because I'm getting a little spooked or really having a, a difficult time comprehending something. In the new book. The guides manage to anticipate my questions before mm. I form them. So they say, now Paul is thinking, or Paul has a question, and I'm going, wow, I, was almost, I almost had a question. I didn't quite. And what they managed to do through using that technique was stop me from interrupting the transmission. Mm. So it's an extraordinarily clean, clean transcript. And the third book that was channeled through me, the Book of Knowing and Worth, there was one day when I was just really angry and I had a channeling session and I kept getting interrupted or something happened and the guides ended up saying, Paul, we have to deal with your anger before we go on. And then they did a lecture on, they, they, they talked about the anger for a chapter and, said, and they said, and like, yes, let's leave this in the book. Mm. But I'm sure that what happened was that the book ended up having to be somewhat restructured yeah. to account for this interruption. And I find that as this continues, sort of the elegance of the way that they work with me um, has become much more pronounced. So I don't mind the interruptions. I, I can't not do them. And even when I'm channeling before a group, when they start talking about things like time and how time is how time operates, they're just really beyond me. I may interrupt and say, "I can you can you explain? Can you interrupt? You know, can you can you can you unpack this teaching?" Right. Um, and and sometimes they'll say, "You know, we'll come back to your question," and they'll go forward. And I, I'm fine with that too. I actually appreciate it when they say, "We're talking, let us finish," mm-hmm. because it reminds me that I'm really there in my role as the radio. Mm. Now, but still, you're not just a radio because I'm sure it has affected you and maybe your relationship to yourself and to life in general profoundly, yeah. I can imagine. Yeah, it has. But I don't claim, at least yet, to be an enlightened being. You know, I'm Paul who's doing his best having a fairly extraordinary ongoing experience of this stuff. Mm-hmm. But, you know, it's kind of, some of it falls into the the capacity, I mean, I know the category, I suppose, of, of, of an odd and unique skill, um, yeah. you know, that's available. Has it changed my life? Yeah, I've left a career in academia that I had for a good 25 years um, to do this work full time. Um, I am continuing to receive an ongoing teaching that builds on itself as the years progress. There's a whole other book that I'm supposed to have delivered by the end of no, by the end of November that has not, I haven't begun the sessions yet, but you know, every mm. book has taken no more than 30 days of sessions mm. to complete. And I don't know where it's going. So for me, this to be participatory on an ongoing level to, to be living in the unknown um, is a challenge, and it has changed everything. But you know what? It's all unknown anyway. We just think we know. We think we know we're going to be in the same <laughs> job in two years. We think we know the relationship's going to last, and and truthfully, we don't. So I'm I'm party to this, but I am not um, at least yet. Um, I think the, the the one who can say, and I know it all. 
you know, the moment I think that I say I know it all, I think I'm probably screwed, and then I'm, I doubt I'd be able to hear anything anymore. <laughs> you know? The radio is off. Well, we're going to take a quick yeah. break, and we will come back. And uh, I don't know, do you think the guides would like to talk? Well, you know, I mean, they've they've been known to say we are not the entertainment, so they, they, oh, they um... often come through if there's a reason <laughs> for them to, but they don't come through for... Just, just to sort of take a bow and make an appearance, and you know, there's got to be a reason. So, it's so if we have some questions, maybe they would. It's possible. Let's yeah, I, see I, what happens. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> well, when we come back, more with Paul Selig, and so stay tuned. We will be right back. Tune in to The Jen Royster Show, intuitive guidance to inspire your life, each Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific and 11 a.m. Eastern on TransformationTalkRadio.com. This amazing show is an inspirational hour that will take you on an epic metaphysical journey to discover the spiritual approach to life's greatest challenges. Dr. Jen is an internationally known intuitive counselor, spiritual teacher, and energy healer. Call in for intuitive readings and visit JenRoyster.com for more information. You, yes you, can be the highest version of yourself. Wellness coach and natural beauty expert Dr. Agnes Renkel is on a mission to help you play the game of your life. Win in vibrancy, health, and beauty. Because you deserve it. Dr. Agnes goes beyond the limits in her personal coaching sessions to revolutionize health and wellness. Now is the time to unleash your true power. For more information, visit dragnesfrankel.com. Are you ready to stop stress, anxiety, and low self-esteem from running your life? Join award-winning author Dr. Friedemann Schaub for Empowerment Radio and learn breakthrough solutions to switch out of survival mode and approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. Tune in the first and third Wednesday at 11 a.m. Pacific to Empowerment Radio with host Dr. Friedemann Schaub on Transformation Talk Radio. Visit thefearandanxietysolution.com to learn more. Hi, this is Carol Dorian, here to tell you about the new and improved Spiritual Diagnostics, coming to you every Tuesday at 2 p.m. starting April 25th. We will be having new amazing guests. We will have new spiritual topics for the new year. So look out for our new revamped show, Spiritual Diagnostics, Psychic Answers and Spiritual Solutions, April 25th at 2 o'clock. Get ready to experience Truth Talk Radio with host Deb Acker. Tune in to Truth Talk Radio each Wednesday at 3 p.m. Pacific on TransformationTalkRadio.com to illuminate the truth in your daily life as you experience life, love, and abundance from a whole new perspective. This hit show will leave you feeling lighter and bring you into a place of infinite possibilities every day in every way. Visit TruthTalkRadioShow.com for upcoming transformative topics and guests. What if your body and mind were the compasses to the secrets, mysteries, and magic of life? Glenna Rice, co-host of The Questionable Parent, is inviting you to access all that is possible. Glenna is a 10-year certified veteran access consciousness facilitator who offers an amazing variety of life-changing classes and workshops. Work with Glenna from anywhere with teleclasses and workshops all over the globe. To learn more and see Glenna's current schedule of events, classes, and workshops, visit GlennaRice.com. Welcome back to Empowerment Radio. I'm your host, Dr. Friedman Schaub, and we are here with Paul Selig, who just uh, is a fascinating teacher and channel and uh, empath. And we talked before the break about uh, his guides and um, if uh, they would be willing to communicate with us. And during the break, we ask about or I ask about uh, the the divine self and I ask Paul uh, what it feels like or how he knows when he is connected to the divine self Paul can you because I, I said at the beginning of the the show that you know the search the this longing for being connected to your truth is something a lot of people share and 
and they feel the fear and anxiety kind of blocking them to get there. What's your experience when you are connected to that more true self? Well, I know we talked about this during the break, and I don't recall how I described it. It's an experiential thing. It's a hard thing to mm -hmm. describe, but it's about being fully present, and also it's about not being in fear and not judging, you know, mm. and not caring how people perceive me, you know. I mean, it's a kind of liberation from the collective agreements about who we're all supposed to be. So it's an extraordinary feeling, and it really is kind of an agreement to be, I would say, as we truly are and not as we're, we were taught to be and supposed to be. So it's a great experience when I have it. Um, sustaining it is something that I'm challenged by because I still get cranky and I still get judgmental and I still get afraid. I do know that the guides help with this stuff and the mm -hmm. teachings help. And one of the things that they've said consistently from the very beginning is that the action of fear is to claim more fear. And they said, look at every choice you make because you're afraid and see what it got you. And probably you're going to see that you got more of the same. So what I'm getting much better at as I continue with this is not choosing in fear, which then doesn't call more fear to me. And you see, the guides talk a lot about agreement, and they mean agreement by co-resonance. And they say you're agreeing to everything in your life right now, like it or not. It doesn't mean you chose it, you know, like I chose my infirmity, I chose the bad marriage. I mean, maybe we did, but that's not what they mean. They're saying you're agreeing to it because it's there and you can see it, which means mm -hmm. you're in co-resonance with it. And because you're in co-resonance with it, you actually have the ability to transform it because it's your consciousness that claims your relationship to anything. And how you claim the divine in what you see, they say, transforms what you see in your relationship to it as well. So the world then, I think, becomes more malleable to consciousness, and our experience of ourselves in our world becomes more present. You know, every time you walk out of your house, you're looking at a world where everything that was named was named by somebody who came before you, and the value that things cost in the store was decided for you, and what a good career is versus a bad career, or a good life versus a bad life was claimed for you historically. And these are all collective agreements that frankly are loaded with a bunch of opinions and crap. Who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to say? When you begin to move out of these collective agreements of who we're supposed to be and what it's supposed to be like, we get to have a much more authentic experience of being. And, you know, we're participatory to this. I mean, I guess my guides describe the kingdom as the awareness of the divine in all manifestation, not just the things that we like or we would agree to practically. So mm -hmm. they say, you know, if there is a God... God is in all things, not just the things you like, not just the things that look pretty, and not just the things that you would call spiritual. And I suppose we would have to include our anxiety and our fear and yeah. all of those things as well. Because if we claim the divine where those things are, then we're not alone in them or attacked by them. Mm -hmm. I'm not going to say God is the source of my anxiety, but if I can claim the divine or the presence of the divine where these things are, my relationship to them might change because I'm no longer going to be a victim to them. And the guides say, you know, in the Book of Mastery, you really can't be a master and a victim at the same time. And these are choices that we do make about how we wish to perceive ourselves or claim ourselves or claim a reality individually and collectively. Now, I mean, I often feel that we are unfortunately judging and condemning emotions like anxiety and fear and sadness and guilt as useless or bad and don't necessarily include them into the experience yeah. because many yeah. people that have been going through depression or bouts of anxiety realize these were the greatest teachers that led them to maybe letting go, yeah. to forgiveness, to self-acceptance. So I think we have to just also be 
willing to accept that what doesn't feel that great and that doesn't feel that you know comfortable as we want it to be mm-hmm. i agree i mean i mean you know the guide said if you want to feel good all the time there are pills for that now yeah. you know but there's <laughs> there's nothing wrong with having the range of experience that means right. we're alive you yeah. know i mean i think and i do believe that as i go higher in alignment my experience may become more joyful because it's less fraught and it's less, you know, it's less stuck. Um, and I yeah. think that that is a truth and I think that that is available. But I also, you know, my job is in, as in my practice as a psychic, as an empath, you know, I sit in my office much of the day tuning into people and I feel the pain or the fear that they walk around in or the people that they ask about. And the only reason I can feel it is because I've known it. Mm. I know what it feels like to to, to grieve or to hate or yeah. to feel deep shame. I know all those things, so I'm able to recognize it. Mm. And because I can recognize it, I can work with it. And mm. I can support somebody else in moving beyond it. For me to say that it's wrong just confirms it, really, and condemns it's them like for it. having that experience. And there's nobody's help by that. Well, I think that's one of those things about diagnosing someone which is such a disservice because unfortunately with a diagnosis we are identified again as something that is not right and but let me ask you yeah. something that I'm really curious about about you know this true self do you believe that or do the guides say that we forget about our true selves or do we have to discover it? In other words, is it there and then it just gets overlaid with all these expectations yeah. and uh, personalities or is it something that's hidden and we have to discover it? I hear it's not hidden. It's just it's just present without your availability to it. And the gods are saying and the availability to the divine self is what we bring to you is what we bring to you through claims through claims truth of truth. They're saying to claim what is always true of the true self as you. The true self as you supports your reclamation supports your reclamation of it. The denial of the true self in some ways, in some ways, is a cultural disaster. Is a cultural disaster on this plane. On mm. this plane, you've been taught to deny the true self. You've been taught to deny the true self in favor of mores, in favor of mores or system of governance, or systems of governance or religion or religion, if you don't have the right. If you don't have the right to be your true self, to be your true self, your being, your being, your being as a true self, as a true self becomes idealized, becomes idealized with others' requirements requirements for you. You are taught to forget. You are taught to forget the innate self, the innate self as you grow, as you grow and as you are trained in some ways, and as you are trained in some ways to agree to a system, to agree to a system of how you should be, that would tell you who you should be, period. And they're saying period. Hmm. So I guess your listeners should know that when I hear I when I hear I whisper the words and repeat them. That's why people hear things twice. It's mm-hmm. an mm-hmm. echo. Okay. Mm-hmm. And they talk about the revolution. I mean, for me, they talk it about what? I'm sorry. That we are kind of a, there is a coming revolution, and yeah, you know, yeah. that coming revolution is maybe the time I don't understand it, but it is maybe the time where we are allowing ourselves again to be the true selves and allowing others to be the true selves. Or what is the revolution about? Well, I mean, they talk about a revolution of consciousness, and um, they also have said, and they've said this from the first book, which was I Am the Word, which I think was dictated in 2008 or 2009. Mm-hmm. They say that, you know, humanity is at a time of reckoning, and they say a reckoning is a facing of oneself and all of one's creations, and what's been created in fear needs to be recreated in a higher way. And that includes everything. That includes government and you know society and as a whole. So that we're actually being brought forward towards great change, and that this is also sort of the evolution of, of the species. But we have we have we have options here. I mean, the guides have said again and again, you know, don't think, you know, they said, you know, you know, the the idea that you continue to make bombs to keep yourself safe is the most ridiculous thing they've ever heard. 
as if you know a bomb is going to keep you safe. You know, it's just it's not, it's meant to be used finally, not meant to to be a peace a peacekeeper. So yeah. in terms of and then you know and they just certainly don't predict disaster either. But I do say that we have choice. So I'm going to ask them about revolution and consciousness. We will say mm-hmm. saying we will say it differently. The times have come. The times have come for each human being, for each human being to make a decision, to make a decision about who they are, about who they are in a higher way, in a higher way outside of who they are to be, outside of who they have been taught to be, or agreed to be in fear, or agreed to be in fear. The times you stand in, the times that you stand in are indeed of great change, are indeed in are of great change, but with but to withstand it, you must begin to claim yourself. You must begin to claim your true self because the known that you have identified. Because the known that you have identified through is dismantling itself, is dismantling itself, and that gives you the opportunity. And that gives you the opportunity individually and collectively to reclaim yourself, to reclaim yourself outside of these structures, outside of these structures or mandates or mandates or systems or systems of control, of control, period, period, period. And I hear period. Okay, mm-hmm. so that's what I hear. Mm-hmm. And does that mean, I mean, I'm just, you know, talking out loud, but what's Right now, the tendency in the, at least on the plane of the world politics seem to be, it's almost like creating the opposite. You know, it seems to be maybe the ideal scenario for us to disconnect from that, what, you know, we used to just follow maybe with great trust and, uh, and faith and realize this is not necessarily leading us to our true selves. I don't know. It's just something that I find. I think it's happening. I mean, yeah. I think we can we can no longer look at a lot of things and say this really works. Yes, you know, exactly. It's just become too apparent that it doesn't. Yeah, and that includes how we treat one another. You know. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Across the board. So when you see, you know, when you see great inhumanity to man, you know, mm-hmm. and whether you know or you see families being torn apart or you see, you know, all, I mean, first of all, I mean, some of this stuff granted, you know, elicits reactions that are fear-based, but it also is people I think are saying, Hey, wait a minute, this just isn't okay. Yes. You know, the guides say in the new book, the book of truth, they say the truth is a vibration and they say that the energy of truth is here. And they say, what's not in truth is going to be addressed. Mm-hmm. You know, truth mm-hmm. operates a bit like a tidal wave, you know, mm-hmm. and what's not does not have a mooring or a foundation in truth may not withstand it. Now, does that mean annihilation or destruction? No, it means great potential, I think. But it also means that systems that we have invested in, yeah. I think, for a long time, you know, that may not have been working for a long time are now up for for, for, for some reexamination, mm-hmm. which hopefully can be productive. And I will also say that I think that the more one has an investment in control or controlling others, the harder this gets because, you know, I mean, who does, who wants to let go if their sense of authority comes from, you know, yeah. claiming others in fear, you yeah. know? So no. I don't know. I mean, I don't know that the change happens from the top down. I actually think it's a wellspring of people beginning to wake up in very different kinds of ways, and perhaps not to spiritual spirituality, but to justice or to truth in whatever way it wants to, to be claimed. But, you know, the guides say that as each one of us wakes up, we wake up a thousand more by nature of our being, and Mm -hmm. that much of this is happening at a level of co-resonance. But in order for us to do that, we actually have to be willing, I think at some level, to be unclaimed by these very systems that we've sought to seek refuge in. Mm -hmm. You know, my career, my identity, my idea of who I should be in the world. I mean, all of that stuff is invested with a bunch of opinions who we're taught to be at the cost of perhaps who we truly are. Yeah, well, is there a, a, let's say, a a step or something the guides suggest that 
someone can just begin with to raise the vibration because it is vibrational i completely understand but what can we do to raise our vibration let's say out of this place of you know comparing ourselves or judging or feeling not good enough what what can we do well the claims of truth that the gods work with which are attunements they say to the energy that they operate through and with and as can be helpful and you know the claim i know who i am in truth i know what i am in truth i know how i serve in truth i understand can be worked with now it's not the personality self saying i know who i am in truth that's not paul saying i know who I, i know i'm paul and i know i live in manhattan and have a practice as a psychic you know that's the small self the divine self or the true self i know who i am claiming itself into claiming its own being i know who i am is claimed as claimed by the true self so i know who i am identity i know what i am which means in manifestation in form and field i know what i am i am an expression of the divine in form as i am even though i don't believe it even though my circumstances don't reflect that i know what i am because the guides say what is true is always true and mm. these claims are made by the divine self so they're always true at that level the final claim i know how i serve simply means the true self saying i know how i am expressed in the most perfect way doesn't mean the right relationship the right job the right career it can mean those things i know how i serve means how i am most fully realized and expressed in truth now the guides say about truth in truth a lie cannot be held so if i'm going to claim i know who i am in truth what i'm not agreeing to is i know who i am as a nervous wreck i know who i am as the one who needs to lose 40 pounds i know as who i am as the one who can't seem to find a partner i can claim all of those things for myself and at the mm-hmm. level of the personality it's true but it's not true at the level of the true self the true self be knows itself beyond those agreements of lack and fear that's how i understand it and so the guide suggests to use those agreements as uh, yeah. daily incantations or what yeah what and they... yeah like you can, i know who i am in truth i know what i am in truth i know how i serve in truth yes will support them i hear yes it will support them in reclaiming themselves and reclaiming their true self at the cost of mm. at the cost of the known must be prepared. and they're saying and you must be prepared for that at those moments at the cost of the known means we're not agreeing you are not agreeing to the historical self, to the historical self that would like to recreate itself that would like to recreate itself at the cost of the new at the cost of the new so if you're saying these things you can't go back and say yeah i know and i'm a divorce say and i'm never going to get married again because i'm too old and i'm never going to find it to be good which is the small self sort of saying this is who i am you see what i mean the right. true self right. knows who he is or who she is anyway and doesn't mm-hmm. rely on that. And the guides say, you know, we're always and I do this. They say we're always, you know, dining out on yesterday's leftovers, on yesterday's mm-hmm. meal. We're always mm-hmm. bringing that history right in front of you saying, "See, I get to have this pain again today because I had it yesterday." So it's because a comfort it of the familiarity. Mm-hmm. Totally. Totally mm-hmm. comfort. Yeah. Yeah. The known. Yeah. So being courageous also to go into the unknown of the truth is probably part of the journey. I hear trusting truth to set you free, yes. Mm. Trusting truth. Mm-hmm. It's, I hear it's a little less about courage than trust. Trust the Good. truth will not betray you, you know. I mean, I can decide to live in the comfort of my illusions. I can, you know, I can't tell you how many people I've I've worked with over the years and they say you know my husband was having an affair for five years or 10 years or 20 years and I didn't know and I go well, you know and there's a reason I think they say you know the spouse is always the last to know and I think the spouse is often the last to know because he or she doesn't really want to right because who wants to look at that because it means changing everything it means reframing or re-identifying 
a relationship in a way that might not be comfortable. And I'm not a therapist, you are, so this is just how I'm expressing this. I may not be expressing it well. So the confrontation with truth, while it may not be tremendously comfortable, Mm-hmm. will also liberate us and give us other options that we may not have had otherwise. And I I am of the belief, actually, that the new form is higher than the old. We, out, we, we progress. This is progression. It mm-hmm. may not look what it looks like, but it may bring us... It may not look like what we think it should. I may... I, I left, you know, a fairly comfortable life yeah. in academia. And I think I left it at the right time for me and for any number of reasons. But I'd also been holding on to it really desperately because I was frightened of stepping forward into the unknown and giving up, you know, my health insurance and my, my retirement, all that stuff that was, mm-hmm. you know, I'd, you know I, I had counted on. And here I am, and you know what? I'm doing okay. Do you know what I mean? I don't have the security in some ways of, of an institution to back me, but I've been, I've been, you know, supported in other ways by, by my life and people continue to show up to help when I need to find out how to do those things I never had to do before. So it's just been growth. Well, I don't know about you, but uh, when I gave up my job in academia as a, as a physician and, you know, going through the same feeling of losing that comfort but looking back, I have to say it wasn't that comfortable. And when yeah. you do something like you are doing now and how I feel what I'm doing is brings me a greater sense of service and fulfillment. And mm-hmm. I think that's for me at least a, a greater reward than a you know, a security yeah. from an institution. Yeah, I mean in my case, I you know, teaching college there was an immediacy to to watching people grow over the course of a year. And my challenge now is I am present for this work, but I'm also receded from much of it. Mm -hmm. So in some ways it's kind of like, it's, I I, I don't take, I I can't take the bows, you know, for a class well taught. You know, I go, wow, that was a really good class. People say to me, I loved your books. And I go, well, that's great, but I really didn't write them. You know, so it's, 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 it's an odd thing for me and I'm still getting used to that, but yeah, I, but I, I agree imagine. with you, you know, that there, a, there is relief in, in releasing yeah, the old. Yeah. Well, Paul, it was such a pleasure to talk with you and I uh, want to thank also your guides for being willing to share their gifts and wisdom with us and, uh, yeah, I wish you and your work and uh, your new book that's coming out all the best. Now, how can people find out more about you? Where do they go? Um, to my website, which is my name, Paul Selig, P-A-U-L-S-E-L-I-G.com. And, you know, there's a mailing list you can sign up for and lists of events and how to get a reading and, you know, book signings and, you know, we're, we're making a trove of, of, of archived lectures available I believe this week through subscription. So there's a lot, there's a lot to check out on the website. Wonderful. Excellent. Well, thank you very much again. And uh, yeah, all the very best. Uh, Thank you all the listeners who were tuning in and uh, I hope you were also feeling as uplifted and inspired and feeling your vibration has risen as I do. And we will Hopefully here and uh, connect again to our next show on Wednesday. Until then, take good care and keep on searching for that truth. Goodbye. You've been listening to Empowerment Radio with Dr. Friedemann Schaub. Join Dr. Friedemann the first and third Wednesday each month at 11 a.m. Pacific as he addresses some of the most prevailing challenges of our daily lives. Discover how you can use the power of your mind to overcome stress, anxiety, and overwhelm and create a solid foundation of confidence and self-esteem. Learn cutting-edge tools so that you can approach every day with great ease, joy, and purpose. To learn more about what Dr. Schaub can do for you, visit the fearandanxietysolution.com.